can you become keto adapted while eating carbs? What? Is it possible to run on a fat burning engine without eating a strict ketogenic diet? That's impossible. Can you have your cake, your steak, your bacon and eggs and eat it too? Are you mad? Welcome to the Body Mind Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host Seamland and that's the topic of today's episode. We're going to talk about what is keto adaptation, how you can become keto adapted and how you can implement different carbohydrate and nutrient timing strategies to improve metabolic flexibility and become ultimately keto adapted. Body Mind Empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Okay, I'm going to give you like a huge spoiler. Yes, you can become semi-keto adapted while eating some carbohydrates. And you can get into ketosis without eating the ketogenic diet. But first of all, we have to define what are ketosis and keto adaptation. They may sound very similar, but they have their own nuances. Here's the difference. Being in ketosis is the actual metabolic state with ketone bodies of 0.5 millimoles and above. You can be in mild ketosis already after fasting for 24 hours, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be using that fat and ketones for fuel. You can also raise your ketones by taking ketone supplements, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be burning them for ATP. Higher amounts of ketones in the blood show signs of being in ketosis, but they're not indicative of greater fat oxidation or keto adaptation. It's a trap. Keto adaptation is the process by which your body adapts to using fat and ketones as a primary source of energy instead of glucose. This is more of like a matter of degree. There are different stages to keto adaptation and they're going to gradually improve your body's ability to use fat and ketones as fuel at different intensities of physical exercise. The difference between being in ketosis and being keto adapted is like the difference between a light switch and natural sunlight. You can dim the light or turn it on instantly, thus entering into a state of ketosis, but to actually reap the benefits of keto adaptation, you have to go through the gradual process of rising to the zenith like the sun to avoid the circadian mismatch. And it's not going to happen that quickly. The fact of the matter is that to successfully follow the ketogenic diet long term, you have to become keto adapted because you can have up to 3.0 millimoles of ketosis but still feel like crap. More ketones isn't better or healthier. It's the efficiency of those ketones that matters. When your body becomes more keto adapted, your metabolism changes its liver enzymes and other metabolic functions to preferring more fat and ketones as an alternative fuel source to glucose. And there are many benefits to being keto adapted. You increase rates of fat oxidation by default. You'll start burning more fat at different levels of intensity. At lower intensities such as walking or cardio, you're already burning mostly fat for energy. After keto adaptation, these things will burn fat exclusively with no need for carbs or gluconeogenesis. A study done by Jeff Wallach and his team on trained ultra-endurance athletes has shown that compared to a high-carb diet, long-term keto adaptation results in two to three times higher rates of fat oxidation. The time it took to replenish muscle glycogen after three hours was also very similar. 
This study also shows that after keto adaptation, you increase the body's ability to use more fat and ketones at higher intensities as well, which means that you're sparing muscle glycogen when doing harder exercise and you can burn more fat. What I mean by burning fat is fat oxidation. Fat oxidation is an oxymoron in the sense that it's not going to guarantee you fat loss coming off from your body fat. Fat oxidation in this context refers to what kind of energy molecules your body is using for ATP production. It's about what kind of a pathway you're going through in the Krebs cycle. With higher blood sugar and insulin levels, you're inhibiting your body's ability to use fatty acids, which also makes your physical exercise and energy more dependent on glycogen. With a keto-adapted approach, you raise the ceiling at which your body uses fat as a primary fuel source. And therefore, you can use either fat from dietary sources or the fat from your adipose tissue. To lose weight, you would still have to induce a caloric deficit, but the difference is that the higher your keto adaptation, the more fat you're burning as opposed to sugar, all the time. The benefits of keto adaptation go beyond physical training and weight loss. You have more stable blood sugar and energy levels. You get direct access to your adipose tissue for calories. You increase ketogenesis and the production of ketones that can give fuel to the brain, heart and skeletal muscle. You have more mental clarity and a focused brain. You have reduced inflammation and less oxidative stress when producing ATP. You're gonna protect yourself against muscle catabolism when skipping meals or doing longer fasts. And of course, you'll achieve independence from food and eating several times a day. Now, these benefits, they of course they can occur outside of the context of ketosis, but only to a very small degree. Following a good ketogenic diet is going to greatly magnify these effects. When being in ketosis is quite binary, then keto adaptation is more like a matter of degree. You're always burning fat, even on a high-carb diet. The difference is to what proportion and how well you're able to do it. If you've just eaten a meal that has plenty of carbohydrates and spikes your insulin, then you're kicking yourself out of ketosis, you're lowering blood ketones, and you decrease your body's fat oxidation. Even eating a meal with lower glycemic carbs that have a lower insulin release, like lentils, tubers, quinoa or buckwheat, you're still filling up your liver glycogen, which is gonna inhibit ketosis. After a few hours, your blood sugar drops again, and if you haven't eaten anything for about 4-6 to six hours, you're gonna gradually start increasing the amount of fat burned again. However, to start producing ketones, you have to deplete your liver glycogen, whether through fasting for 16 to 20 hours, eating keto for a few days, or exercising for several hours in a row. You can quote-unquote be in ketosis and register 0.5 millimoles of blood ketones after doing fasted cardio after 20 hours of fasting, but you may still experience the keto flu because your body doesn't know what to do with those ketones due to lack of keto adaptation. To become better at using ketones for fuel and increase keto adaptation, you would have to follow a low-carb keto diet for a longer time to allow your body to readapt its metabolic pathways. You can get into ketosis and have more ketones in your blood within 2-5 to five days, but the fruits of keto adaptation reveal themselves gradually. The first signs of improvements in performance tend to happen within 2-3 to three weeks. Then the next milestone may happen after 2-3 to three months, and the higher potential can be achieved after 6-12 to 12 months. The fact of the matter is that 
to reach the absolute peak of fat oxidation wherein your body is burning exclusively fat even at high intensities, you would have to follow a very strict keto diet for a significant period of time. I'm talking about maybe more than a year. However, like I mentioned, keto adaptation is a matter of degree and you may not need to go into that deep ketosis to improve your fat oxidation rates. Maybe your goals don't require that much fat oxidation. I haven't had a carb since 2004. Which also brings us to the question, can you become keto-adapted while eating carbs? We know that your body uses fat, ketones and glucose at different intensities of activity. With keto-adaptation, you increase the rate at which your body can burn ketones at higher intensities, thus you're gonna spare glycogen. Keto-adaptation results from nutritional ketosis, but it's not needed to maintain it. You have to go through a period where your liver enzymes and metabolic processes change so you could have the ability to burn fat for fuel. However, your degree of keto adaptation changes throughout the day, depending on what you ate, how you exercised, are you stressed out, how you slept and what other activities you do. On a high carb diet, you're not fully keto adapted, but if you were to fast for 2-3 to three days or ate zero carbs for a few days, you'll gradually start increasing your body's fat oxidation rates. But, because you're not that well keto-adapted, you will also experience higher rates of gluconeogenesis because your body has higher demands for glucose. This leads to significantly more muscle catabolism as to compensate the body's glucose needs by turning muscle tissue into glucose. On a semi-low-carb diet like paleo, the zone, the Mediterranean diet, or a quote-unquote balanced diet, you're running on a sugar-burning engine, but because you're still restricting your carbs to some degree, you'll experience transient ketosis if you were to fast for longer than 20 hours or if you were to exercise very hard. Your fat oxidation rates will be higher than if you were to eat high-carb, but you will still feel the need to consume more glucose after depleting your glycogen. On a low-carb keto diet, you're in ketosis virtually all the time, and your keto adaptation is higher by default. In this context, it refers to how well your body can use fat as a source of energy through the Krebs cycle. Like I said, you can burn fat on whatever diets. Where's the Twinkies? Okay, maybe not eating a high-calorie standard American SAT diet, but uh, keto adaptation depends on how you get access to its adipose tissue and how it's gonna be used. The key to keto adaptation is to signal your body that there's not much excess energy floating around the system, which is going to activate pathways of improved fat oxidation. Glycogen depletion is the most direct way of switching over from burning glucose to burning fats and producing ketones. The liver won't start producing its endogenous ketones if there's excess glucose in the bloodstream. There are 100 to 150 grams of glycogen in the liver, and it takes about 16 to 24 hours to deplete it. Muscle glycogen can store up to 300 to 500 grams of glycogen, but you don't need to empty muscle glycogen to get into ketosis or produce ketones. Muscle glycogen gets used during high-intensity exercise, and it can even get replenished without the consumption of carbohydrates through the same process of gluconeogenesis. Fatty acid molecules can be converted into glycogen. Essentially, whenever your body is running low on glycogen, it ramps up ketone production and activates other metabolic processes that promote keto adaptation. AMPK or AMP-activated protein kinase is a fuel sensor that gets released in energy deprivation whether through diet, exercise, thermal exposure or the consumption of certain medicinal herbs and compounds like turmeric or ginseng. 
PGC-1 alpha is a transcription co-activator that is central to regulating energy metabolism. It increases mitochondrial functioning and fat oxidation. High intensity exercise, caloric restriction, ketosis, cold thermogenesis and sunlight all activate this factor. NAD is a coenzyme found in all living cells. It consists of NAD plus and NADH. When your body detects an abundance of energy from food, it increases NADH and decreases NAD plus. Low levels of NAD plus accelerate aging, cause chronic fatigue, promote weight gain, inflammation and disease. That's why it's never a good idea to give your body more energy than it needs. Things that increase NAD plus are exercise, fasting, caloric restriction, ketosis and infrared saunas. CERT1 is a protein that's associated with longevity and it's needed for NAD plus to function properly. Sirtuins activate all the other vital pathways of fat oxidation and longevity, like PGC1-alpha, foxoproteins and PPAR modulators. Sirtuins also turn off the inflammatory genes that promote fat storage and inflammation. Again, caloric restriction, cold, fasting, exercise, carbohydrate restriction, they all increase Sirt1 by increasing cyclic AMP. There aren't many secrets to increasing fat oxidation. You have to deplete your body's fuel, whether through fasting, exercise or carb restriction. The nuance of nutritional ketosis is that you can reap a lot of the benefits of these gene expressions by eating a low-carb ketogenic diet without restricting your calories. Ketosis can activate EMPK and PGC1-alpha, and there are many other anti-inflammatory benefits. Give me all the bacon and eggs you have. However, just eating a ketogenic diet isn't gonna make you more keto-adapted by default. You can spike up your blood ketones with MCT oil, high amounts of butter, steak or exogenous ketones, but it doesn't mean that you'll be burning those ketones for energy. The fact of the matter is that to reach a higher potential of keto adaptation, you have to exercise and fast. There's no way around it. You have to put energy demands on your body. Just sitting on a couch while having 4.0 millimoles of ketones is characterized as quote unquote being in ketosis, but being in ketosis doesn't mean shit if you're unable to use those ketones for energy. In fact, with exercise, your blood ketones tend to drop because you're using them for fuel instead of making them sit in your bloodstream. That's why people who have become keto-adapted after a long time tend to register lower amounts of blood ketones. Therefore, no matter what diet you're on, physical exercise is probably the number one way of increasing fat oxidation. But at the same time, there are still several nuances to this. If you're exercising with full glycogen stores, then you're burning only that sugar you ate and not fat. Eating something with a lot of carbs before a workout literally fills up your glycogen and before you can start burning fat, you have to deplete those glycogen stores first. If you're trying to lose weight, then the best way to exercise is to do it on an empty stomach or at least at a very low carb state. If you're exercising in ketosis, then you're burning exclusively fat for fuel and you're doing it at even moderate intensities of exercise. During high intensities like lifting weights, you'll burn muscle glycogen, but this is gonna happen anyway and you'll become more glycogen sparing when in ketosis. You're not gonna become fully keto-adapted unless you exercise with low liver glycogen because the liver won't convert over to a ketone-based metabolism. It's necessary. With that being said, you don't have to remain in strict ketosis all the time to stay keto-adapted. Like I said, Keto adaptation is a matter of degree and you're always moving between higher rates of fat oxidation throughout the day. If you were to consume more carbs that topped off your liver glycogen, 
thus inhibiting ketosis, you would still stay relatively keto-adapted. You're going to simply burn that excess glucose for energy, and how it's going to affect your keto-adaptation depends on many things, like how physically active you are, how much lean muscle mass you have, what's your insulin sensitivity, when was the last time you ate, what kind of carbs they were, and how metabolically flexible you are. Getting the keto flu after eating just a little bit of extra carbs, it means that you're metabolically inflexible and your body is very inefficient at swapping between different fuel sources. Keto adaptation and metabolic flexibility aren't the same thing because one of them refers to strictly priming fat oxidation at progressively higher intensities of exercise and the other is about adapting to changes in dietary intake or lack thereof. The general guideline is that the longer you do the ketogenic diet, the easier it gets and the better you start performing. However, like I said, to maintain keto adaptation, you don't need to be in strict ketosis all the time. And even if you were to eat the zero carb diet, your keto measurements fluctuate every day. Despite that, you can still be able to use fats for fuel. When I say that you don't need to be in ketosis all the time to stay keto adapted, then I'm not saying that you can eat keto for a week, then eat another week high carb and then get back into ketosis within another week. Your body still needs to be in a ketogenic state the vast majority of time to stay keto adapted. It's a matter of degree, how long you've been in ketosis, what you ate, what are the energetic demands of your body, your hormonal profile and metabolic flexibility. Reaching the peak potential of keto adaptation and fat oxidation requires you to be eating a very low-carb ketogenic diet for several months and even years. It's virtually impossible to become keto-adapted on a high-carb diet because your body is so geared towards metabolizing glucose all the time. Even if you were to exercise like an ultra-endurance athlete or ate once every two days, you'd still experience the keto flu whenever you're not consuming adequate amounts of carbohydrates. To stay keto-adapted while eating carbs, you have to lay the foundation with a well-structured ketogenic diet. And then you have to work on improving your metabolic flexibility as to be able to swap between carbs and fats for fuel. The foundation to metabolic flexibility is the ketogenic diet because you need to be able to burn fat as a primary fuel source. On a high-carb diet without keto adaptation, you're only capable of burning glucose while not being able to use ketones. But in order to avoid bonking after your glycogen runs out, and not to get the keto flu whenever you eat some carbs, you need to go through a period of keto adaptation. Both aerobic and anaerobic conditioning is also needed. The purpose of your training should be to increase mitochondrial density, which are your cells' ability to produce energy whether from ketones or carbs. Metabolic flexibility is a matter of degree like keto adaptation. An organism with greater muscle glycogen stores and improved insulin sensitivity can absorb more glucose than the one with lower energetic demands. That's why there's a huge difference between athletes and sedentary people. The timing of fuel intake is also vital, as consuming carbohydrates when your body isn't primed to using them will lead to a completely different result, even in people who are physically very fit. Even Rich Froning could get diabetes if he ate too many carbs in the wrong context. Eating more carbs than your body can handle when you've been sitting around all day is gonna instantly kick you out of ketosis because your muscles have already gotten adequate amounts of energy from fat. If your muscle glycogen stores were to be completely empty after a long resistance training workout, then they're more primed to shuttling any excess carbs into the muscle cells without inhibiting keto adaptation. 
Eating carbs with poor insulin sensitivity is generally very bad as it literally makes those carbs more likely to be stored as fat. That's why it's important to get enough sleep, stay physically active and eat relatively low carb whenever you're not exercising. It's necessary. So let's talk about how to improve metabolic flexibility and stay keto adapted while eating carbs. First, you have to establish nutritional ketosis by doing a low-carb ketogenic diet for at least 2-4 to four weeks. Generally, you can get into ketosis faster with fasting and exercise, but your body still needs some time to keto adapt. Even if you're not planning on staying keto for a longer period of time, you'd still want to make the baseline template of your meals low-carb, because it's gonna keep your body's glycogen stores lower and it's gonna improve fat oxidation, insulin sensitivity and general health. Secondly, after the first period of keto adaptation, you can start tinkering with some carbohydrates to improve your performance. Keep in mind that to stay keto adapted, you have to be using carbs only as performance enhancing tools, not as something you can simply get away with. Well, this funky thing here ain't over yet. Third, the fact of the matter is that you still want to be eating relatively low carb, especially at times when you're not exercising. Hell, I would recommend to eat only when you're exercising because at other times your body doesn't really need a lot of energy and if you were to practice intermittent fasting, you would promote ketosis, you would improve keto adaptation, you'd detox your system with autophagy, you would boost growth hormone, you'd save a lot of time, money and you would prime yourself to greater nutrient partitioning after you start eating again. In my opinion, it's much better to not eat anything at all on days when you're mostly sedentary and you're not moving around a lot because fasting would be that much more effective. Fourth, when you're able to go with food for over 24 hours and not experience hypoglycemia or muscle weakness, then that's a good indicator of keto adaptation, at least the first signs of it. At this point, your physical performance at all intensities is generally the same and you don't need carbs to fuel your training. However, you can still use a few hacks that include strategic carbohydrate consumption. The first one is the targeted ketogenic diet, or TKD. It involves consuming a small dose of carbohydrates during your most intense workouts. You eat like a ripe banana, a piece of grapefruit, or 5 to 10 grams of dextrose powder with a protein shake. This suits best for sports that involve the creatine phosphate system, or a lot of anaerobic bursts such as CrossFit, Ironman triathlon, team sports, or pro bodybuilding. Less intense exercise that has more frequent resting breaks like powerlifting, track and field or gymnastics, they don't require that many cars because your glycogen stores have more time to replenish themselves. Nevertheless, you can still safely do TKD with these sports and stay keto adapted. Activities that don't suit the targeted keto diet are low intensity cardio, endurance sports, yoga, walking your dog, mobility or recreational activities like bouldering. The second one is the cyclical keto diet. It involves eating keto for 5-6 to six days, then having a day of eating more carbohydrates and then returning back to keto. In my opinion, this is not ideal for staying keto adapted because you may experience the keto flu after the first 2 days of carving up. However, if you do these more often, then you can improve your metabolic flexibility and you can probably learn to get back into ketosis faster. It also depends on how many carbs you're consuming and whether or not your muscle glycogen stores have been depleted before you carb up. Like I said, you have to be exercising quite hard in order to eat carbs and stay keto adapted. 
If you're trying to lose weight or if you have poor blood sugar, then you definitely don't need carbs from either the targeted or the cyclical keto diet. You want to eat strict keto and even practice more intermittent fasting. Honestly, I think the cyclical ketogenic diet works only for building a lot of pure mass because of the carbs they are gonna make you hold onto more water. However, for performance events like a powerlifting meet or a triathlon or a football game, then CKD is not ideal because you'll probably feel slightly more tired after you carb up and your performances are gonna actually suffer. You'd feel a lot stronger and awake if you were to do the targeted keto diet instead. Are you even woke? The third strategy is something called carb backloading, where you eat low carb all day, then you go to the gym to have a muscle glycogen depleting workout, and then you have dinner with few extra carbs like a sweet potato, a bit of fruit or some rice. In my opinion, this should be the default menu of anyone who is not even doing the ketogenic diet. You still want to be eating as low carb as you can when you're not exercising because it's gonna prime your body to be in a healthier and more fat burning state. How many carbs you should consume after the workout depends again on how much muscle mass you have, how depleted your glycogen is, how do you sleep and what your training goals are. Generally, a well-trained athlete could probably get away with eating 100 to 150 grams of carbs and still stay keto adapted with carb backloading. Carb backloading works best for building lean muscle mass very fast because you'll be in mild ketosis in the morning and then the carbs in the evening, they can promote muscle hypertrophy. The effect of muscle growth is gonna be actually much bigger than if you were to eat high carb all day because you'll be more insulin sensitive and your muscles, they're gonna absorb that glucose much more effectively. Adding a longer period of intermittent fasting will also increase your tolerance for carbohydrates. Which brings me to the point of, can you eat one meal a day with high carb and stay keto adapted? The short and sweet answer is probably not. Fasting is one of the most ketogenic things there is because you're literally converting your body fat into energy. However, even OMAD with 22 to 23 hours of fasting and one hour of eating isn't enough to compensate for a high carb menu. And when I'm talking about high carb, then I refer to a diet with carbs exceeding the 60% of total macros. It simply takes way longer to deplete your glycogen before you could start reaping the benefits of ketones. With that being said, carb backloading on one meal a day with about 100 to 200 grams of carbs and the rest of the calories coming from fat and protein could probably work if you trained really hard. If you're doing a lot of resistance training in particular, then you could potentially eat 100 to 200 grams of carbs in the evening and be in ketosis the next morning because all the carbs would be shuttled into muscle glycogen. But then again, it depends on your lean muscle mass and actually training hard. If you're fat, then you don't need this. You've been meatballed! As you progressively become more keto adapted, you get better at using fat and ketones for fuel even at higher intensities of exercise. You want to use these carb up strategies only in very specific circumstances wherein you actually require some more glucose. The exercise has to be quite intense and near maximum effort. At the same time, eating a sweet potato or even a piece of bread that's going to exceed your daily carb intake by let's say 60 to 80 grams is gonna probably inhibit ketosis but it's not gonna make you lose keto adaptation fully. You don't have to become dogmatic or overly affectionate towards any particular way of eating, whether that be keto, paleo, veganism, if it fits your macros or fasting. Do what's best for your health and goals, but at the same time, don't eat carbs when you don't need them. 
because it's going to prime your body to be more effective with the carbs you use afterwards. If you were woke, then you would... Context is everything when it comes to staying keto adapted because you have to make sure that the carbs you do eat are consumed when your body's energy demands are higher and your muscles are more sensitive to glucose. That's the overarching message of this colossal topic of keto adaptation. We definitely don't know a lot about how the body actually works, but we can still use the information we have to the best of our ability. So to recap, here's the general blueprint for keto adaptation. First, eat low-carb keto meals most of the time, even if you're doing a non-keto diet. You want to keep your insulin and blood sugar low no matter what you eat. Two, when you're not exercising, you're actually better off by doing intermittent fasting because it's going to promote ketosis, makes you more insulin sensitive and improves tolerance to carbs. Three, the initial period of keto adaptation takes about two to four weeks and you need to stay low-carb keto the entire time. Four, before trying any carb strategies, you have to be at a lean body composition, not have any blood sugar problems, not be insulin resistant and not be sedentary. Five, if you've eaten a good ketogenic meal before exercising, then chances are you don't need any carbs or workout shakes because you already have enough energy in the body. You definitely don't need BCAs on keto. 6. In my experience and in most cases, using the targeted ketogenic diet with about 5 to 10 grams or even up to 20 grams of carbs is ideal for boosting physical performance while using both glucose and fat for fuel. If you consume those carbs during the most intense exercise, you're not going to harm your keto adaptation and you'll actually improve metabolic flexibility. 7. Carb backloading can keep you keto adapted and put you into ketosis at least for some parts of the day as long as you still eat a limited amount of carbohydrates. 8. Cyclical ketogenic dieting will probably kick you out of ketosis and inhibit keto adaptation for the next few days, but you can get back into it within a few days again. And 9. As your keto adaptation increases or if your energy demands are higher due to exercise, you can get away with eating slightly more carbs without getting kicked out of ketosis even. Physically very active people can probably get away with eating 50 to 100 grams of carbs while staying keto, but that physical exercise has to be high intensity. All of this still depends on the context of the situation, your muscle mass, your glycogen state, your gut microbiome, your carbohydrate timing and even how well you slept last night. The only thing you can do is experiment, look at your results and then adjust your behavior accordingly. If it were easy, everyone would do it. If you want to know how to become a keto adapted beast that can fast for a week without losing your sanity, that can burn more fat while exercising, that can build lean muscle mass without getting fat, that can reap the cognitive benefits of ketones, that can stay keto adapted while eating carbs and maintain metabolic flexibility, then you just have to check out the KetoFit program. It includes the entire process of starting a ketogenic diet, how to become keto adapted, how to exercise, what to eat, in what amounts, and how to strategically use carbohydrates in different scenarios. There are over 50 recipes for both low-carb breakfast, dinner, dessert, snacks, and healthy high-carb foods that won't give you metabolic syndrome but gonna keep you ketotic instead. It has a 30-day meal plan with exact macronutrient ratios and grams of how much food to eat. A four-week workout routine that incorporates resistance training, aerobic conditioning, mobility and general functional fitness. And a ton of extras with cool biohacks and other holistic health practices that improve your well-being and performance. The KetoFit program is the blueprint for becoming keto-adapted for life. That's it for this episode. 
you probably gain some more insight into what is keto adaptation and how you can stay more keto adapted. But most importantly, you have to practice and see how your body responds to different fuel sources. If you want to support us, then I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review on the iTunes or the other social media platforms. Definitely check out the show notes for the topics that we discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening. My name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered. If you were woke, then you would...